I gotta get my Brendan voice on. Hold on. This is episode 26 of The Snapshot, and I am KM Best, joined, as always, by Marvel Snap Phenom, Brendan APG. Brendan, your week in Marvel Snap. Hello, sir. Um, my week in Marvel Snap, <laughs> that, was, that was perfect, by the way, KM. Yeah, I know. I thought, wow. it, was, I thought um, it was really good. <laughs> you really turned on the radio voice there. Anyway, um, yeah, I just finished the Content Creator UK tournament hosted by Kawatech here in Manchester. Um, in the UK, it was. I ultimately let's just go to the results. So ultimately, I lost in the quarters. I went four one in Swiss, made it the top eight, lost in the quarters to D Money. Um, but yeah, fantastic event, Lambie series. Previous guest on this podcast actually won the entire thing. And honestly, if you haven't seen the tournament, I know Cam, you're going to go back and watch it. The semifinals and finals match with Lambie series are some of the best Marvel Snap games you'll ever watch, particularly. His match versus Den, um, Den from Marvel Snap Zone, was probably one of the most well-navigated matches I've ever seen from someone that was significantly far behind. Lambie being on two cubes at one point, Den effectively four games ahead of him, and Lambie proceeds to play the perfect game, play to his outs, and win that entire series. And I think it's one of the best Conquest or yeah, Conquest series that's ever been recorded in Marvel Snap history. It was a fantastic match. But anyway... Okay, before we get into the tournament, we're going to be talking about the prep, the metagaming, the list, expected meta, overall tournament, um, talk about some key matchups, and then, you know, results and the future of this meta. Because I think that we, what we ended up, um, the meta that sort of we ended up in at the tournament was maybe a bit different from ladder, not the ladder that you might be playing right now when you're listening to this podcast, but a bit of the ladder of last week, um, particularly high Evo and high Evo Lockjaw was very much represented at the turn, but seemed to be somewhat of a tier two or slightly behind deck. Obviously a bit of subjective there. Before I jump into all of that though, Cam, how's your week in Marvel Snap? My week in Marvel Snap has been pretty damn good. I'm putting the radio <laughs> voice back on for this. Since I am in the host role, you are in the guest role now. I have been enjoying my week in Marvel Snap, but the real focus here as always is the creator clash. <laughs> Yeah. So, well, let's. There's a little bit of news, but we'll probably cover it mostly next week. Nothing too crazy. We had some OTAs hit. Um, most importantly, Doctor Doom was hit. This is actually right before the tournament, um, which is a significant OTA. I think it changed. It, Doctor Doom will still exist in a lot of lists, but lists that relied on only Doctor Doom as top end as a way to spread power um, and put the opponent in, I guess, sort of a hard situation. It's like, am I committing to a tall single lane or am I spreading power with my Doctor Doom? Now that Spider-Ham has also entered and Doctor Doom is nerfed, it, it really takes the sort of what was one of the best cards in the format, Doctor Doom. It just takes him down a peg. I don't know if it will be exiting the meta, but with both Spider-Ham being popular and those Doom bots getting slightly nerfed, I think we'll see a bit less Doctor Doom. Um, but yeah, prep for this Hold tournament. On. And one thing about Doctor Doom, ahead. this actually came up in a game I played. Uh, Silk beats him now. Mm, true. Like if you're uh, if you're like trying to compete for a locked off lane, Silk is actually gonna one up a Doctor Doom bot now. Yeah, I actually ended up playing Silk um, in one of my lists. One thing, by the way, I don't know if you have seen the Spider Ham ridiculous interactions cam. They so first of all, they fixed him right. They they hot fixed him. They fixed yes. something where basically the pig would cost four and it could get discounted by Zabu. You know what they didn't fix? And something that's literally on stream from the class. Okay, <laughs> the what, what, class. what didn't? Because what they did fix, they fixed it like the most. If you'll pardon the pun, ham fisted way possible. Mm. <laughs> they made yes. the default cost of the pig zero. So what that means is if you lockjaw the pig, like if you put the pig into lockjaw, you could pull it with Jane. Mm. Well, let me ask you a question. Shoot. A question, Kim. A little scenario here. Yeah. Um, your opponent has a six cost card. Uh, Elysium flips as a location. That six cost card becomes a five cost card. You play Spider Ham, um, it hits. What was the six cost card now? This cost is five to Elysium. <clears throat> to Elysium. How much does that card cost now? After getting hit by the pig. Uh, is it? Is the answer four? It's four. Because yeah, the it answer is four. Both it, cards. No, 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 it doesn't count both <laughs> cards. The way pig works is it checks current cost every time. 
So mm, like if mm. you if it, it works this way with wave too. Like if you wave something and then pig it, it'll cost four even when the wave goes away. Crazy. So it's so snapshots. like with Elysium, it checks the current cost, which is five, and then it check. That's how I knew the answer there. <laughs> like that's I actually knew how that interaction worked. Yeah, it, it checks the the current cost when it gets hammed. It doesn't check any base cost or anything. It's just current cost. And then now that that thing costs five permanently, oh well, Elysium triggers again and it costs four. Yeah, not exactly something that I was predicting in this situation. I was like, okay, my opponent has a a now five cost, what used to be six cost, 12 power Hulk, but it's now five cost. It turns out it's a four 12. I'm like, what the fuck is that? Yep. Um, yeah, the, the, spig in, the pig interactions are, <clears throat> are pretty interesting. Okay, uh, I want to get your thoughts actually before we dive into this. Uh, the high level sort of what is your evaluation of Spider Ham? Because we actually talked with Molt last week and we were like, mm, let's just skip Spider Ham. That card is trash. I was <laughs> that, that card made a bit did? of a bit of yes. We absolutely well specifically you were like trash. <laughs> Next, um, if that's yeah. what I did, then I was wrong. But I have a very short memory. Yeah, well. Seems like it has made a pretty significant splash. I still splash. can't tell how good it is. Like, everyone is like, oh, yeah, run Spider-Ham and everything. Run Spider-Ham and everything. It's a really strong card. And it's like, it's fine. It's, like, good. I don't I don't know. Like, what are you doing with it? Like, I see people saying, like, oh, you should run Spider-Ham over uh, Iceman in, like, Electro decks. And it's like, I don't think you should, because the whole point of the, uh, the, the Iceman in those decks is to beat Lockjaw and Mirrors. And it does that way better than Spider-Ham does. I just feel like people are running it without, like, knowing why. I feel like there's so, a lot of that. Like, why? Like, what is the reason behind why, behind why you're running the Spider-Ham? Why? You're 100% you're hundred correct. I think that card is completely matchup and yeah. sort of opponent deck-based, right? There, there's a lot of nuance to it. Um, Spider-Ham on its own, like just hitting a card in your opponent's hand and turning it into a pig, that's like the Howard the Duck argument, to be honest. Like, it, it, it's not always a good thing, actually. Um, like, you know, snapshotting the Hulk that had the previous ongoing ability. Like, there's so many situations where it ends up just being the same card, like all these Shuri decks that might come out after the um, the Red Skull buff. Like, yeah, like Ham you, is you not good the Red Skull, and it's like, oh, thanks, man. <laughs> yeah. Where Spider-Ham is really good is, well, in the previous meta, a lot of, de a lot of decks played like only Doctor Doom is top end, or it was like a key yeah. top end card. Yes, it would say, it would hit that a lot. Um, even in high Evil Lockjaw, um, hitting the Hulk early uh, can be significant. But if you play it in something like Bounce, and you're playing something like a Bounce Mirror, uh, a lot of Bounce decks right now do play Iron Man, and that is a great hit, right? Because you yeah. turn an Iron Man into a 5-0. That's an unplayable card. If they're not playing Iron Man, maybe they're only playing America Chavez top end, you are actually extremely likely to hit the Beast, and that's a critical freaking card. Like, yeah. if you hit the beast in a bounce spear, game over. So, ham, ham, no nuance, played against everything, played in every deck. Absolutely not. I think that's fundamentally wrong. Ham in the right meta. And actually, as a, particularly, I think, as a tournament card for where you can have an expected meta, I, th I think it's actually very, very powerful. Ham in bounce yes, seems so. to be roughly correct to me. Because it's not like you're hurting for power. We're already sacrificing power for utility a lot of places in that deck. And so I don't really mind it there at all. But it's just like I feel like I feel like there is just some like people are just putting it in your in the deck and being like, yeah, that's good. And I feel like, again, it's the Howard the Duck thing is like you, you remember when it's good, right? Like you're like, oh, I hit that. And that's why I won, because it shows you the information. You don't remember when Iceman was good, right? Like you don't remember because you, you don't you might not ever see the card that Iceman hit. You don't know how it changed the game. I don't I don't. I know this is going to sound like I think the card is bad. I think the card is quite powerful. I just feel like there's a lot of just we're running it for no reason right now. Yeah, one thing that both you and I, I think, give less credence to than sort of the average stat player or at least the average stat player that appears on my Twitter in some sort of random thread is that they seem to value the information taken from um, from Spider-Ham greatly. No, that's and correct, I think. I think you are supposed to value conquest? that information. Like, you're supposed to value the information of what you don't have to play around. Like, it's good against mm. Electro, for example. Because if you see an Odin gone, suddenly you're not worried about, like, Odin Doom. Or you see a Zola gone, you're not worried about Black Panther Zola. Like, it, 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 it's good for ruling out things you have to play around. That information is important. Mm. But... I, I think, again, that's like sort of very matchup dependent, right? Like if, if you're going to lose to either a Hulk or a Doom, it kind of doesn't matter which one that you got rid of. 
Mm, I think a lot of players are making this argument from the angle of, hey, I play this card on ladder, ladder, not conquest, and I play this card and hit my opponent's Ultron. So now I know they're on Patriot almost instantly, and they value that highly. Um, I think that's actually not as valuable as a lot of people make it out to be. Um, And now, especially in conquest, which I think is, I don't know, I've been playing a lot of it, obviously, in preparation for this. I don't value that information nearly as highly. It's great to know what to not play around, but I fundamentally, I'll say it like this. I play Spider-Ham for the effect. For the effect of turning something into a pig, specifically yeah. queuing that a deck with Spider-Ham into an opponent's deck that I know is heavily reliant on some sort of five or six cost top end, and knowing that I can take that out of their hand pretty quickly. I've got a question for you, because I think the pitch for Spider-Ham mm-hmm. and Bounces, uh, like, does this swing the lockdown matchup? And I think the answer is mm-hmm. still, like, no, it doesn't. But, like, it could, <laughs> like... <laughs> Like yeah, it's it's not a bad it's not a bad card, right? Like it, it can't help, but you have to play it early as well. Um, I think most of the time, I mean, if you're playing it high Evo lockdown, um, you need to hit. I don't know. I don't think this changed during the nerf. Uh, I would be, you know, maybe I'm con- confused. I mean, Spider Ham is a confusing card, but I think you have to hit Hulk early, right? So you're incentivized to play it on turn one because you don't want it to snapshot the ongoing ability and be like a six sixteen, right? Yeah. It's uh, it's sort of an awkward situation with Hulk specifically the the ongoing snapshot. I don't really know if that's intended or what, but it seems like it seems fine to me. I don't I don't really know. Yeah, well, so when it comes to what is maybe the competing most popular deck in the game, which is high Evo mid range, the high Evo lockjaw. Yeah, exactly. Well. I think that when you're looking at a deck like Bounce and you're trying to find more of an edge versus those decks, it's, yes, you know, I think the Spider Ham is good. I think you find a lot of your edge in the Shang-Chi, actually. Um, we'll talk about it later, but there was actually, there was a list that performed very, very well, a high Evo, uh, a high Evo lockjaw list that actually ran Dr. Doom as a way to counter Bounce specifically and did it very, very effectively. Um, Wait, but yeah, a I do high think Evo that, lockjaw list that you say ran Dr. Doom? Isn't that all of them? Sorry, do, sorry, Doc, Doc, Oc. Two yes, doctors, two doctors in the house here. <laughs> Dr. Octopus, thank you for clarifying. Yes, yes Dr. Octopus. Um, anyway, let's, well, Spider-Ham, TLDR. Good card, maybe not as good as it's going to be touted to be on Twitter, but I think better than I expected it to be. Maybe it's because of the sort of meta that we exist in, but a, a conditional card at that. A 1-1 that has this effect does not get slotted into every deck whatsoever. It's it's definitely a specific card at that. Um, all right, well, let's talk about the prep. And Cam, you can actually help me talk about the prep here because I want to talk about the metagame, the expected metagame, and how to prepare for it. So going into going into the content creator uh, tournament here, uh, this was like last week prior to OTA. You really had to evaluate the meta, I think, by looking at a few decks, and those decks were high Evo, and there's few variations of that, and the nuance of those variations definitely does matter. So you have high Evo Lockjaw, you have high Evo Midrange, and high Evo Lockdown. Most popular probably being Lockjaw, second most popular being Midrange, third most popular being that lockdown version. Other than that, maybe tied for most popular deck, maybe a bit, a little bit less, uh, less popular on ladder at least was something like bounce. Um, but bounce at the end of uh, sort of the end of the preparation phase, in my opinion, almost categorically the best deck um, by by quite a long margin because of its matchup spread and because of how just fundamentally powerful it was this into everything. Like, I, I've been a kitty pride truther for like six weeks. I've been telling people, gonna, I like, I like, I'm so, I'm so, I'm so happy to see my girl thrive because, like, I've been talking mm-hmm. about this deck. I've been putting it there, like, yeah, I know, okay, we have a bad matchup against High Evolutionary Lockdown. I get it, sure, but like, it beats everything else just by being a better deck. Yes, and I think you'll like the stream when you watch it back because I talk about you and you putting this list out there and this especially pink print this has been a list that you've put on twitter a million times and it caused me a lot of headache right because it's very hard for me to play a bounce list with tech in it so i could have more uh, yeah if you put tech in it you lose the mirror (laughs) you absolutely get freaking destroyed in the mirror that's and that's why this two deck format was super interesting but yes the the overall conclusion is bounce uh maybe competing at that time as the second most popular deck or close to most popular deck is is the best deck this high evo nonsense it's well, the high it's evo not nonsense, the action. It's, it's a different context, right? So, like, the high mm. evo nonsense, like, high evo lockdown was the best deck by a bunch, right? 
And when that deck was everywhere, it didn't matter how good Bounce was because it would beat your ass. Bounce does not beat Haivo <laughs> Lockdown. It does not do it. Like, you can try, but like, they're gonna, like, Storm is basically the scariest card on Earth. They can Professor X a lane, they can Spider-Man a lane, and if you can't play in two lanes, your hit monkeys suck. And that's like, that's Pain. fundamentally, that's fundamentally the bad matchup, right? Yes. And so what arose yeah. out of that was, how do we beat that matchup? And that's where the Lockjaw decks came in. Just playing yeah. a bunch of big guys. Electro, just playing a bunch of big guys, going big enough that like the bounce decks have absolutely, like that the Lockdown decks have absolutely no answer. You remember the original versions of the Lockjaw decks had Dracula in it. Great card to play into Storm. Things like that, right? Just absolutely hammering that matchup. And eventually that matchup got hammered to the point that it's just not common anymore. And when that matchup is just not common anymore and everyone is relying on literally only wave to stop bounce, well, then bounce is the best deck again, right? Yeah. Wave stopping bounce is uh, it's it's definitely the biggest a lie. I it's think the at biggest, this point. It's the, yeah, biggest, it's... it's the biggest goddamn lie. Wave will help. No. Wave will help, mm. but you don't get to snap waves because if you snap the waves, they know you have the wave and then they deploy on turn five and you just die anyway because you're playing wave, which is three power on turn five. Yes, you play a three power. Uh, you play a three power wave, and I play a ten power hit monkey, and then a half Chavez as top, as top end. Yep. Like it, it is, it, it's actively not that good. Um, in ladder, I guess it's a bit better, but in conquest, I mean, you play you play bounce for a couple conquest, you realize pretty quickly, oh hey, I can play Ron's wave car, especially after I've seen it. Um, Sandman. He, what's hard on the other for hand? Actually yes, no. Turn ass. four Sandman. <laughs> turn four Sandman. Turn five Spider Man. Turn three Storm. F that. That, that is what like really, those, that those are the things bounce. that beat your ass, right? Like bounce will still lose to Storm Spider-Man. It will and that that's actually this is actually the biggest appeal for Hitmonkey here for me. Or not Hitmonkey for for Spider Pig. Is that if you play it early enough, you can like randomly hit a Spider-Man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's such a big deal. If you can hit a Spider-Man with a pig or an Iceman, oh my god, you're doing so much better than you previously were. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Well, the sort of tier two decks still very, still quite popular decks on their own, but um, just you know they weren't these premier S tier decks like like Lockjaw and like Bounce, um, Patriot, which is sort of had uh, been falling out of favor a bit, <clears throat> and then Electro Patriot didn't go tall enough to beat the Lockjaw decks. So Patriot yeah. would just be like in this situation where it's like, okay, well, I guess we have to play Shang Chi if we want to win that matchup. So that kind of sucks. And Electro. I actually worked with Moyan a little bit on this one. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's good into those three decks. Uh, Lockjaw, Lockdown, and Bounce. It's like good into those decks. It's like the only deck that I know of that can actually just play good games into all of them, right? But mm -hmm. I think it just yeah. sort of randomly loses to stuff. <laughs> it just kind of dies to like stuff sometimes. Yeah, there was... Uh, so I brought Bounce as my main deck this tournament. And there was two decks. There was actually just two decks I was afraid of, um, represented by four players in the Adrian Player Tournament, and that was Ramp, um, specifically Moyne's Ramp list, and Lambie's uh, Lockdown High Evo list. Yeah. Outside of that, I felt like I had completely favorable matchups. Uh, one thing on Patriot as well, I think why Patriot kind of fell out of favor, is Patriot still had any sort of downside that it had before, but it also could get out points land by bounce sometimes, <laughs> yeah. which is like... I mean, Why not just play, play bounce? Patriot had to cover so many different things, right? You have to play the Shang to beat the uh, Lockjaw decks, right? You have to play the Wave to beat the Bounce decks. And it's like, okay, if you have to do all this, can't you just find another deck that does that stuff? Exactly, right? It, it feels like it's 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 sort of occupying the Bounce archetype, um, but it's a bit weaker sort of all around. It's like, if you're bringing, let's just, let's quickly, I want to rewind a little bit. The tournament, by the way, for the format, it was five rounds of Swiss cut the top eight, but most importantly, it was a two deck format. Um, so you would get paired into opponent. You would bring two decks, no cards could overlap and you would pick whatever deck you want. Your opponent would not know. So there's a bit of metagaming and mind gaming that goes there, right? Do you bring the two best decks? Do you bring the best deck plus a deck that forces your opponent to play a favorable matchup into your ideal deck right so if i bought bounce and i don't want people to play pink print into it i bring a counter to pink print right so my opponent can't reasonably choose pink print into me they have to choose their other deck and i force it into my bounce deck which i believe is the best deck in the format that that was sort of the tournament and it's really really important to keep in mind because that shaped pretty much everybody's strategy and was critical to actually doing well um and most people did end up bringing the deck that they wanted to play and then the other deck that just kind of forced their opponent to not play 
you know other decks they didn't want to play against into them so it was really really interesting um what do you think of the idea that the metagame is like uh extremely polarized in a way that is not ideal for the first month of conquest where it's just like oh i picked a deck but my final boss is the deck i could never beat in a million years (laughs) like i've been feeling that a lot so do you feel that for this uh the way the format of this tournament or for conquest for conquest because like when you look at the format of this tournament you when you describe the things that people are doing they're all just like well i can't play against my bad matchup so my second deck is devoted entirely to beating my bad matchup and i'm saying that dynamic applies onto conquest where you don't get a second deck and you're just going to run into that bad matchup or not and that's going to be it definitely but i could i could see that i could see how that works um i i definitely I empathize with the argument. That being said, I do think that it's maybe a bit worse on on ladder. Ladder, of course, you just get into a next match really quickly. But ladder's more zero sum. Yeah, where the other deck just totally wins. Where in conquest, I mean, maybe your deck literally just doesn't have the tools. But if you bring a deck that does have a bit of tools in it, right? Like maybe your opponent has wave, which could smoke you on ladder, but it doesn't really in conquest. Maybe you have the Shang Chi. No, I just um, mean like you're you're playing bouncing UQ into Sandman. It's just like oh, Mm. I'm dead. Well. The thing well, about playing, Conquest you're, is I think you're playing Sarah and you queue into bounce and it's just like, oh, well, they, they don't have they, as long as they throw priority. I can never win this. Mm. Yeah, the thing about Conquest is I feel like you have to play it less of let. Le- I mean, this is kind of Marvel Snap fundamentally, but Conquest is less of a card game, more of a betting game. And that's really where sort of the skill of how to snap, when to leave and when to retreat and when to stay in is it becomes really important because you're right. Turn four Sandman, you, you, you really can't beat it as bounce. But the whole idea is to sort of manipulate the game, manipulate the game state and the set of games in order f- for you to be able to stay when your opponent doesn't have those yeah. cards. And you have to be able to juice cubes during those matchups. Um, obviously, a lot of that is draw dependent. But on top of that, it's very location dependent. It. And knowing what locations favor you in whatever whatever amounts are, are unfavorable to you is just very important for snapping early, staying in, knowing to, when to retreat. Like when we when we were playing the the content creator tournament, I mean, there was times that I would leave five match or four almost four matches in a row, and it feels terrible, and it doesn't work well at all for our human lizard brains because now you're like, okay, opportunity costs, I have to stay in, I have to do some cues, but really that's not the case because you don't start you don't start the um, the high stakes till round five and you know you really need this like buffer of cubes the your last few cubes are much more valuable than your first few because you need this sort of snap equity and to be able to threaten your opponent um for like a x number of cubes later in the game because if you get put down to like three or two and your opponent's on seven they could pretty much just auto snap you off the bat and put you on sort of an all-in consistently and that's just a terrible spot to be in it's actually almost unwinnable um but yeah to answer your I'll original have question you know i've them. lost from those spots before okay <laughs> no, no i mean lambie Lam, Lam beat den from there i mean yeah. like we talked about a couple weeks ago I, I beat a bot in my in my silver <laughs> my silver game that way after no, I, got I, eight I, I lost i i did the right thing i got an eight cube juicer against a sandman deck and then lost five games in a row where i didn't get to play more than one card past turn four on any one of those games like it was just mm. like either electro into sandman or wave into sandman i was just dead every time it's like okay well i guess i just lose five to answer your original question about the polarization of conquest um i think it's a thing but i i, I know i personally haven't been affected by it too much uh just queuing conquest um but at the same time, I don't find it to be as extreme as in other games where I feel like with Hearthstone, it's kind of a core component of ladder gameplay, right? Is these polarizing matchups where you just kind of lose. Um, I don't nearly feel that as much as in Snap. One thing I do want to say, and I don't mean it in the wrong way, but Conquest is really interesting going from ladder to Conquest because the matches have been really easy, I guess because of the normalization of MMR and yeah, stuff like no that. Yeah, there's no MMR like lot- in it. Yeah. Lam- me and Lambie were talking about this, about how you actually couldn't really use Conquest as a means to prepare for the tournament yeah. because of the, the lack of MMR. And that's just been, it. I don't know, it's just been, it's very much been a main motif of my experience has been these Conquest matches have been a bit easier, to be honest. Like, of course, I was playing good decks because I was trying to get reps uh, for the tournament. But yeah, I- I'm not sure. It, it overshadows digging deep into things of like okay does this actually feel good at the highest level when you know both players are of equal skill and there's these polarizing matchups because there's things like turn four salmon and you know you've decided to keep bouncing they have to sit through 20 cubes worth of games right 
So I'm not I'm not totally sure, but has, I haven't noticed it too it's just much. It's an to interesting be thing because you're talking about the dynamic of the tournament being about like you know you want to avoid the polarizing matchups and get in your good ones, and it's like that that's a really interesting like because I think that's that's going to be true always, but I do feel mm-hmm. like these are very polarizing matchups like bounce into Sandman, bounce into Lockdown, or any other deck into bounce basically <laughs> like. Like any other deck trying to do like Sarah stuff or Darkhawk stuff into bounce. It's just like, oh, well, it's it's you, but better. Right. Like that's and like that's that's the thing that I think like if you ask me to name a patient zero of this metagame, it's it's Kitty Pride. Mm, Like she's what everything rotates around. She's the baseline. She sets the bar. And that's kind of always how i felt because even when people were playing just like every deck that beat her ever she was still fine yeah and i'm happy you pointed that out because you know reflecting on this tournament if it if it had been a one deck tournament you bring one deck to this tournament and you queue into your opponent and there's there's nothing past that i think it would have felt like shit to be it honest terrible the, right have it yeah so having two decks actually i really equalize this uh this sort of paradigm because you're right in at the highest level or at you know playing competitively if we just brought a single deck like you would run into situations where you literally just couldn't win your opponent was turn four sandmanning you locking you out of lanes stuff like that um you know for an entire conquest there's really nothing you can do about that and they they sort of incur the opportunity cost of running into decks that that beat them because they're playing some sort of greedy deck that counters bounce the two deck format though Covers pretty much all those bases. I think that there's multiple ways to approach it in terms of the decks you bring, but it does help mitigate these auto-loss matchups. They, they pretty much don't happen unless you made an incorrect decision with the two decks you brought. Do you want to, Ken, you want to dig into the into the decks that I decided to bring to the tournament and why? I mean, I think I get why you brought what you brought, actually. You did exactly what Lambie and Browde did, which is say, all right, we're going to play Bounce, and then we're going to bring a deck that makes sure no one cues Bounce into us. Well, hey, that's, exactly. That's what that is. So, I think their deck is a little more effective at doing it for what it's it worth. Is. Uh, absolutely. I think that their deck, um, if I ran it back, I would play I would play their deck um, for sure. Uh, I think that for the use case in which I was trying to use my deck, it, it served it well. Wait, did um, I say but broad? It's Browde. You said Browde. By the way, okay, he's like seven sure. feet tall. Yeah, he's like eight feet tall. He's that. like a human giant. He's like 27 <laughs> feet tall and 8,000 pounds. I don't know. He, he's actually the size of like one of the bosses from uh, Tears of the Kingdom. He's the yeah, size of a very, Hinox. People may not know this. Yeah, huge. Um, anyway, for the audio listeners and for the video, uh, people watching on YouTube, I know we don't have video this week because we're recording remotely from across the world. I will put a link in the description with a Google spreadsheet that has uh, images of all the decks. So please reference that because I won't be popping on You're still on planning on putting the YouTube video up? Yeah, we'll still put the YouTube video up. We'll just put like audio um, only in front of it. Exactly, because there's a lot of people that just use YouTube to uh, to listen. But anyway, going over to my decks for the audio listeners. um, My first deck, which was Bounce, is Kitty Pride, Bass, Spider Ham, Iceman, Angela, Hit Monkey, Mysterio, Bishop, Beast, Shang Chi, Iron Man, America Chavez. Um, I well, we'll talk about the second deck later. Let's talk about this bounce deck. So, in the two deck format, I felt like the most polarizing card is America Chavez. I think almost every deck played it, and the biggest trade off you had to sort of consider when building these decks is which deck gets the America Chavez, right? Because I think both decks want to play it. Um, both decks you sort of want to have this top end in case there's a wave on turn five. You also want to draw your power cards a little bit faster. It just tends to be that most of the decks in the form actually play this card. The high of lock draws is decks is quite important, etc. I decided to put it in my bounce list so I can draw Kitty Pride earlier and I can point slam on turn five. And when I get waves, I can ultimately America Chavez on top of that. Outside of that, the most important card to talk about is the Shang-Chi which is definitely the sort of 12th or 11th card here is sort of interchangeable with something like a Jeff. A lot of people play Jeff in this slot. The Shang-Chi is a dead card in a lot of matchups, but it gives you a lot of equity in the sort of high Evo lockjaw kind of stuff or anything with high top end, mostly high Evo lockjaw though. It gives you a lot of edge in that matchup um, specifically. The, I think in retrospect, playing this card, I'd probably play it again, and my thesis behind it is that bounce is so good that I'm willing to have 
a dead card in the form, or a relatively dead card because it does make your opponent play inefficiently. Sometimes not buff the Angela super high or not buff the Bishop super high. You know, sometimes you'd have to consider Bishop going to nine or Angela going to nine. Um, I would play a card like this, which is a dead card in some matchups. You know, things like Patriot, other bounce decks, etc. Because I think that the list is so freaking good. I just think it's the best list, and I want this tech card for when I do get you know high rolled by a lock jar or something like that. Outside of that, another important card to talk about is Iron Man. Not right, all bounce lists play is, this card. I feel like I feel like you have to choose between Iron Man and Shang, and you just pick both. Yeah, I just picked both, which I think was totally fine. Like I, I'm, I was very comfortable having the Shang and the Iron Man over like an Iron Man and a uh, and a Jeff. To be honest, I, I think that bounce actually, I think it's really important for bounce to play Iron Man. I, I actually think this card is like not very cuttable. Um, I think you need to have the threat of sort of like the single lane pressure that Iron Man can have, and then have your split lane pressure with something like the Hit Monkey that comes down on the counter lane. Uh, Iron Man, especially with something like Bass, like these are some of your most snappable hands. Honestly, why this deck is so, so, so good is because I believe your snap equity with a, with a deck like Bounce is very, very powerful. You can snap early. It's very, it's very easy to perceive some of your, be your best hands. And it tends to sort of play out in your favor. One thing I'll say is that when you snap before the second and third locations flip, there's a lot of locations that yeah, don't favor you, you bounce. You do get screwed <laughs> over by locations a lot, and you also, I think this deck benefits heavily from open lists just knowing what they do and do not have to play around, right? We talked about how, like, wave isn't good against bounce in Conquest, and that's because once you see the wave, you're never losing to it again. And, mm -hmm. that, like, knowing that before you even start, knowing exactly what you have to play around is a huge, huge deal because the, the baseline strategy of bounce is stronger than everything it's going against. So as long as you operate it correctly, you should be good to go. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't think there was a single bounce player in this tournament that walked away from a match and be like, damn, I got waved. <laughs> like, yeah. you would absolutely expect wave to be coming down third five and you're, you're point slamming um, sort of, Accordingly, let's talk about deck two because this is where I definitely took a different approach, uh, a different approach than the rest of the meta. Um, I think archetypically and sort of ideologically, I took the same approach that, like you said, like Lambie and Browde did, and that's that I brought a deck uh, that heavily counters bounce that I, I gen I believe is either ninety to ninety five plus percent into bounce. Like bounce almost can't win, um, and the reason I brought this deck is because the Another version of Bounce, something you've probably seen if you pay attention to Cam's Twitter, is called, you know, named Pink Print. That absolutely destroys my Bounce deck. It plays things like Falcon, it plays more one-drops, and it, it just point slams way harder, and there's nothing you can do about that. It is just better in the mirror. So I realized that pretty quickly. I was like, okay, I just need a second deck that <laughs> my opponent will look at my deck list and say, if I can bounce into, into him... I uh, it's suicide, right? Because if I see my opponent has pink print, it's almost objectively correct for me to cue my Sarah deck into them, regardless of what else they're playing. Um, but as a result, they should never cue bounce into me. Like, so it, it's an interesting paradigm. But that that's the function of the list: is just don't cue bounce into my deck. You have to play your second deck. You cannot play bounce into me because if there's any if there's any chance that I pick Sarah into you, you ought to lose. And to sort of emphasize this point, not to rub it in, not as an ego e egotistical thing. So but you're gonna talk about the landing thing, right? Like this this yeah, actually so, I think, this actually I think illustrates that it was a bad choice, weirdly. I'll get to that in a second. Okay. So Basically, Lambie has the same the same ideology as bringing a bounce list and bringing a counter bounce list. I have Sarah. Uh, I have the Sarah deck in my lineup. I go up against uh, Lambie in round three. I think it was round three. Um, he cues bounce into me. I cue Sarah. It ends up 10-0. And for me, the with the decks that I brought and the reasons I brought them and why I built the Sarah list is because I thought that pretty much that exact scenario was repeatable Almost every time the Sarah deck queued into that bounce deck. Um, but yeah, regardless of that. Right, but like that's, I, that's the thing. That's the thing, right? Like the whole point is to scare people off bringing bounce, right? Mm. And it doesn't do that if they don't know that you beat bounce. So that that's the problem, right? Is if you look at Lambie's list, you look at high Evo, uh, lane lockdown. Everybody knows that beats bounce because it's been beating bounce on ladder forever. I actually had this conversation with my testing partner, Sasha, a lot for the tournament. I was like, what if people don't know this loses the bounce? And it's key bounce anyway. Because the idea actually, Cam, is if you're playing a bounce list, like my bounce list, right? Not not pink print, but you're playing a tech, a tech bounce list with Iron Man. 
this deck is just a proxy. I'm not actually queuing it into you because I yeah. know you won't queue it. It's not real. And I queue my bounce deck. But they have exactly. to know it's that not in order for it to not be real. So I talked to Lambie after the series. And I'm like, Lambie, why did you keep bouncing to me? You can't do that. <laughs> like, You can't do that. He's like, honestly, I just didn't know. He, he, he's like, I just didn't know that 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 was how this matchup went. He's like, I know now, but I, I just didn't know. And you're right. That that was a downside of it. But let's talk about the list just so people yeah, get a baseline here. I want to so talk that, about this list a lot because, like, you know, anything with an infinitely good bounce matchup can't be that bad. It actually is a pretty good Evo matchup, too, and we'll talk about that. So, um, you're so you the list the is... And then just didn't play it. Yeah. Well, it loses. I mean, it doesn't have a great Evo match. It's better than you would expect. Anyway, the list. Jeff, Silk, Brood, Silver Surfer, Storm, Juggernaut, Killmonger, Shadow King, Wave, Maximus, Iron Lad, Sarah. Um, changes I would make sort of post-tournament. I might change the Silk to a Goose just for Yeah, I was wondering why you and... were on Silk in the world where you're playing Iron Lad. That seems god-awful. Um, it's fine. It's fine, to be honest. Like... I just would my my testing partner played Goose here mainly because he didn't have Silk. <laughs> but I honestly ultimately, looked at his deck and I was like, "Oh, that's better." <laughs> yeah, it it probably it probably is better. The Silk is it, it's cute, um, it's cute for sure. But but key card a key card that a lot of people didn't have on their radar part of this tournament that I think probably should have. Um, a few other lists bought it. And that's Shadow, Shadow King. King. Shadow, yeah. Shadow King is very, very good against bounce. It's also good against Evo mid-range. Um, so when things like Cyclops is... Let's say you play Brood in a lane, they play Cyclops in a lane, their Cyclops is dinging your Broods. You play Shadow King on there, ultimately it'll put those Broods back up to the same power, um, which can oh, be... Oh, that's actually really lot. slick. I mean, is this finally time for Shadow King? Have we finally hit a metagame with so many changes in base power that Shadow King is good? Yep. It's it's a pretty good card, right? You know, resets the loss stuff. Um, in Bounce, it's devastating, right? Bounce, you effectively delete Angela. Right, you delete, delete Hitmonkey, you delete Angela, you delete Bishop, you delete... Do you delete Kitty? Kitty Pride. Jesus. Yep. But you need to not have priority for that to happen. Exactly. So you don't necessarily need to have not prior, not have priority. You need to not have priority to blow them out like out of the universe, right? So right. like you to can, get the you kitty. Can, you, yeah, if and, you don't have priority, you can still kill an Angela and a bishop, right? If you if you do have priority. Exactly. Yeah. So people don't necessarily people almost never stack them in the same lane. And that's pretty much correct when you're playing bouts. It's more correct when you're playing in Shadow King. Um that being said, just hitting one is pretty much enough. And the silver, the surfer list on its own, it's <clears throat> Puts a lot of points on the boards. There's also Storm. So Storm Juggernaut, not great for Bounce. Bounce is not like seeing Storm Juggernaut. Very hard to deal with. Lockdown a lane. Um, and in a normal game of Snap, you have three locations flip. It's pretty common that one location is not going to be fantastic for Bounce. So you Storm the other location, you Juggernaut it. It's just not great for them. Um, you can also, you, know, you have Jeff, you have Silk to get more points in that lane if you need. And then outside of that, you have the Turn 5 Wave, which is actually more of a threat than something that gets played super, uh, a lot. I might have actually cut that card in retrospect. I was about to ask, like, you do, do you actually that. play that? Because the wave doesn't make a ton of sense here. Like, it's like you're either playing it on four, but like if you're playing it on five, the bounce deck's actually better at being a deployed on five deck than you are. Mm. So the reason why I played wave is I actually was not playing this list into regular bounce. So against like Lambie, for instance, I would usually queue my bounce deck but the reason i didn't keep my bounce deck is my bounce deck auto loses into a second deck so i have to play i have to play my sarah deck um but against like a bounce mirror with my bounce list versus another list that's very similar i keep bounce i keep bounce because i know my opponent's not going to keep bounce or at least they shouldn't right um the issue comes sorry it's kind of oh the issue comes when they play pink print so if my opponent has pink print in their lineup i have to queue sarah and that that in pink print is more subject to wave than the regular bounce list. It doesn't run America Chavez. It runs things like Falcon. It's sending things back to hand much more often. It's just a bit weaker to wave, and especially not having the Chavez. For the record, my, my really... pink print list actually does run America Chavez. Always has. Mm. I am a big America Chavez believer. D Money just cut it. Yep, D Money did cut it. D Money did. D Money was actually, I think, the only player in the entire tournament that didn't have Chavez in any of his lists, um, which we'll get into. Which we'll get into. But yeah, the wave I might have cut. Killmonger also pretty good against bounce, but not as good as you would think. You probably look at bounce and you're like, wow, Killmonger smokes this deck. Not really. You have to have not have priority on turn six, pretty much, um, for Killmonger to do a lot. It, it can still do a little for sure. Um, yeah, Silver Surfer. Buffing up a, a brood lane or buffing up a lane you've stormed. You're playing the Iron Lad. And there's a bit of a non-bow with Iron Lad, Maximus. And the can whole you, idea is that... Can you ever beat Lockjaw with this deck? 
Yeah, so you can. It's not it's not favorable, but there's a few times where I would I theoretically should have would have had to queue this deck into Lockjaw if someone's running Pink Print as their other deck. Um, it's just not favored. I think it's it, the thing is is like it's actually winnable. Where that is so far beyond the ideal scenario for me is that this second backup deck that only exists as a proxy deck actually has what some is game. A, in, what does a winnable game with this deck into Lockjaw look like? What about game with lock uh, into lockjaw? You are likely locking down a lane with something like storm. You're closing it off with something else. Uh, you're let's say getting close to auto winning that lane. You've filled it up with stuff, and then you move to win the other lane with uh, something like an iron lad. And then on turn six, you juggernaut them out of it. Yes, they have Doctor Doom, but Doctor Doom often won't beat the power that exists on your side lanes. So a bit of a Eldorado situation, but winnable to say the least. Gotcha. Yeah, so not great, but winnable. <laughs> and for the for the purpose of this deck, that's gr- that's amazing. <laughs> this deck is never supposed to play Lockjaw. So if by some crazy means your opponent ignores everything that's in front of them and ends up queuing Lockjaw into a into a, a matchup where you're queuing Sarah, which I'll look at, I have all my all the the players written out KM one through eighteen. I have all their decks written out, all their names, and I have what I'm queuing into them. So out of eighteen players, there's four matchups where I queue Sarah. Four matchups. Outside of that, never. Um, so it, it pretty much never happens outside of that. Anyway, let's talk a bit about the tournament. We'll just go through some matches. So my first round, I played Willwell. Uh, Willwell played Patriot. I played... Um, I do believe I played Sarah against him. Or I might have played Bounce. Anyway, it was a... I played Bounce. So I'm just looking at my thing... Uh, my nose back. I played Bouncing Tomb. It was a very close matchup. So round one, I ended up on a 1QV1 cube um, and ended up taking it uh, from Willwa there. But super, super close. Second matchup, I played Hitmeister. Uh, Willwa was on Patriot, by the way. I played Hitmeister. That. Yep. Hitmeister, who was on Hive Lockjaw. <clears throat> it was relatively close, but there was a match where... We had the rickety bridge flip first location, second location, literally doesn't matter, third location, Mojo World. He plays the the Lockjaw into Mojo World, hits a Chavez off the first roll. <clears throat> I know that I can basically pass my turn, and I will win the game. Because I'm yeah, playing Bounce win, and I have Shang-Chi. Right, you have a Shang, Shang so you're Shang. always going to win the Mojo World whenever there's a nine power thing there. Exactly. So I think the Hitmeister made a little bit of a mistake there and actually stayed in for, oh, I think it was, it was definitely four, at least four cubes. It might have been a little bit more. So stayed in deep on that game when it was basically, I mean, it literally was guaranteed for me as long as I had the Shane because we, we 100% tie Rickety Bridge and then you always win Mojo World because you're plus 100 um, than them after you Shang something. After that, I played Lambie. So Lambie Q, like like we talked about, Lambie Q just bounce deck into my Sarah deck, um, which was pretty favorable for me. And then after that, I played Den. Den went 5-0 in Swiss, and I played into Den's high Evo lockjaw list, but was playing <coughs> Doctor Doom. So Doctor Doom is pretty good against bounce. You can play around it, and if you go back and you watch Lambie's matches against Den, we'll see him do that quite well. You can play around it by having Kitty in hand, sort of predicting where the Doc Hawk is going to go, and playing the Kitty and ultimately opening up the lane by one spot. Uh, Lambie also did have Jeff, which only furthers your ability to be able to do that exact thing. So I am a big fan I, of the Jeff. I really like the Jeff. Yes. It's good. Yeah, I agree with you. So um, I lost to Den. <clears throat> Had some, yeah, some really tough Doc Ox, uh, but I ended up, so I was 3 1 at that point. And then the last round, I played D Money. <laughs> I actually played in the first round of top eight. And D Money queued Patriot into me. So D Money queues Patriot into me, even though he has pink print. I, I'm forced to play Sarah by looking at his lineup, and I'm like, okay, uh, I can't queue regular, regular bounce because he has pink print effectively. So I queue Sarah into his Patriot deck, and I win. Top eight is the next day, it's a two day event. And now I'm faced with a pretty interesting scenario. I beat D Money on Sarah against Patriot, but I know that that matchup sucks for Sarah. I got pretty lucky. I drew Storm a lot, locked down lanes, and um, you know, he just wasn't able to sort of, basically was locked out of a lane most of the times and wasn't able to win the other ones. So I know the matchup is bad for me. So in the morning, 
before the tournament, we were waiting to get let in. I was, I walked up to D Money. I was talking. I was like, "Oh, you have a really interesting choice because he played Patriot into me and lost." So the I think incorrect way to go about it, but the human way to go about it is like maybe you just keep your other deck, right? And Pink Print is pretty powerful to me, but it auto loses into my Sarah deck. <clears throat> so you could think. You know what? I lost with this deck. I don't know that Pink Print loses into Sarah, so I'm just going to play my Pink Print deck. You know, maybe I'll have a better result. And D Money in the morning was like, oh, I'm just going to play the same deck. And then about like 30 minutes or 45 minutes before the match, we had a lot of time. We were getting up, setting up for stream. He's coming over. He's like, Yeah, I might play Bounce. I don't know what I'm going to play. I'm pretty confident. All the stuff. I was like, Oh, this guy's playing. <laughs> this guy's playing Sarah again, or playing Patriot again for sure. So <laughs> I queued my bout. I was like, because he was trying to mess with me. So I was like, he's a hundred percent queuing his his freaking Patriot again. So I queued my bounce deck, which has a much better matchup um, into his Patriot deck. One thing to said is his Patriot does deck does have Super Scroll, which is good. It's good against me. Prevents me from doing things like turn five Iron Man. But it what it lets me do, um, or, or I mean, way I can that play around. Leave you on two dead cards. That leaves you as like, yo, Shang-Chi dead and Iron Man dead. So I would argue that Iron Man is not dead. Um, Iron Man, you just play on turn six, Iron Man plus Giddy. And for for um, D-Money to play Super Scroll on turn six, it's very, very heads up. Like, that's a very heads up play and can go wrong most of the time, I think. Um, so Iron Man is not dead. It just it becomes a much less efficient card at that uh it's not ideal that the opponent has super scroll in their deck but you you can somewhat play around it um anyway it was a it was a tough match i think i overall i think i played pretty poorly and i lost a critical match um in the first round of high stakes and it put me in sort of a brutal position to try to to try to take the series back so i lost that match um and i was knocked out d money ended up going to the finals uh against lamby lamby series actually and i think that d money's d money's lists by the way are probably the most one of the most interesting set of like two decks <laughs> because you know you see people bring bounce and then they bring this like counter to bounce with a super control deck basically <laughs> d money brings Pink Print, which is the most aggressive bounce deck, and Patriot, which is like, it's also a very aggressive points land yeah, deck. Yeah, you just like, look, uh, look, you have to pick one of these. Answer this. Yeah. Answer this. Answer my questions. D-Money's Patriot list is pretty hard to play against, even in Dome deck list, because the Invisible the invisible Woman is definitely a 12th card. Don't get me wrong. And it's not very, very good. But what the Invisible Woman does, or at least just what, what having the top end that D-Money has does, having Iron Man, Blue Marvel, Doctor Doom, Onslaught does, is it's... It's kind of hard to predict if he's going tall in a lane or if he's going wide. Like, it is. Like, it could be Patriot plus Brood on turn six. It could be Dr. Doom on turn six. It could be freaking Onslaught. You know, it's just, it's a lot to deal with, to be honest. And it's hard, especially when something's locked behind a freaking invisible woman, to be like, okay, am I pushing the side lanes or am I pushing, you know, pushing the invisible woman lane? Okay, maybe I have the left lane one. It's just, there's a lot of different ways for this, this, um, his Patriot list to sort of navigate turns five through six. Um, and ultimately, I think it's one of the, the harder lists I had to play against, which is funny because Patriot gets gets criticized as being an easy deck to play. It's a very hard deck to play against. Very, very hard. Um, yeah, but ultimately, ultimately D-Money D -Money took that match. Um, Cam, I'll throw it back over to you now that you've had a chance to look at the list. You've heard a little bit about the tournament. Is there anything, uh, any list you want to talk about specifically or just sort of like any like macro stuff in regards to archetypes you want to hit on here? No, I mean, I think this... <laughs> I hate to be this guy. Uh, this tournament result confirmed my priors. Prior number one, uh, Lambie Series really good at Marvel Snap. Prior number two is that the, the, the triangle, it's the same shit. It's the same shit, right? Like, you have the bounce deck. The bounce deck loses to the Evo Lockdown deck. The Evo Lockdown deck loses to the Evo Lockjaw deck. And then you can make a bunch of other decks that have good matchups against two of those decks, but not against the third one. And that's the meta. If you <laughs> if you were to play this tournament, which decks would you bring, and what would be your philosophy? Would it be the same one that Lambie has, and that I brought, which is you bring bounce, and then you bring the like the ultimate counter bounce I brought, deck? I would have brought what Moyen did, but probably a different mm. second deck. Okay, because I, I honestly think Electro is really fucking good into every one of those good decks. Right. But you need a second deck that beats bad shit. Right. So I would have probably gone with something like Electro and then Bounce. Mm -hmm. And the idea there, especially since we were able like since we if we don't run America Chavez in the Electro deck, we can run it in our Bounce deck. Right. 
So you take Moyen's Electro deck and then you go like that and bounce probably looking back in retrospect would have been a match uh, uh, like a, a thing I would have felt very comfortable with because you put yourself in a situation where absolutely nobody can cue bounce into you. And both of your decks are like if you if you end up in the lockdown matchup, there's very few things. There's very few matchups that make me afraid to cue Electro, right? The things that beat mm -hmm. Electro are like uh, Dino decks with Cosmo because they can make leader asymmetrical and because they can uh, like Cosmo your Arnim Zola Panther stuff. Right. But most other stuff is genuinely not that scary with this deck. You are mm -hmm. genuine, genuinely just pretty good into a lot of other stuff that you can you'd run into. And I, so I, if you brought that's probably what I would do. If you brought bounce, what sort of list would you bring? Would you bring more of a pink print list, or would you bring something closer to? The I list probably I would have messed up, but I would have. I would like looking at it right now. I would bring. I'd bring. Okay, so let me let me actually think about this. Right, so if we think no one's ever going to play bounce against us, there's no good real reason for us to have uh, pink print, right? We we want to have probably Lambie's list mm -hmm. because that one yeah, gives us so like the most game against the most stuff. If you accept that Iron Man is just good enough. In, in terms of just being better Shang, right, in the, the lockjaw matchup, then you're just you're just fine with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm so let's just going from this tournament, looking at the future, I mean obviously it's freaking Marvel Snap, so we have cards coming out every week, we have OTAs and stuff like that. Um I think big takeaways from this tournament is I mean high Evo at least the perception of high Evo and high Evo Lockjaw I think might be knocked out a little bit of a peg. And it I although a lot of you listening to this probably believe this before before this tournament. I think post this tournament, it's pretty clear Bounce is the best deck. I mean, you've been saying it, Cam. I know a lot of people have, but Bounce is just, it's like the freaking deck in this game. It's not necessarily um, the best. Like, like, it's all about context, right? Bounce was only bad when the best deck, which was previously Evo Lockdown by, like, let's be honest. Like, like before this, Evo Lockdown was the best deck in the game. We have this straight from second dinner. It was the best deck in the game by, like, every single metric. Like, that's why mm -hmm. they nerfed Spider-Man. It was the best deck in the game. It was the best thing you could possibly be doing. And it also just happened to, like, 80-20 bounce. So it was like, <laughs> it was like, it's the best deck in the game, and, like, 30% of the of people you play were playing it, and it 80-20 to bounce. And bounce was still, like, a solid deck in that context. So now, in a context mm -hmm. where everyone has gone away from that deck, and for the record, I, I, I am pretty sure it's still 80-20s bounce. It's really, really, really hard it's, to beat that rough, shit. Yeah. Uh, but like it, it, it is it is just a really, really, really tough thing to deal with. But yeah, I would have brought I would have brought like I consider like an electro plus bounce lineup to be like really similar to D Money's lineup where it's just like, look, choose, choose one, choose something here. Choose one of these incredibly annoying things that you have to play against now. Pick one in like. I, I suspect most people are going to be picking based on I think they're going to like be like, oh, I don't want to deal with Electro. Right. So they're not going to queue bounce into me. So you you just play bounce into vaporables all day. Mm. So sort of looking forward, what do you like one thing? I think people need to take another look at Shadow King, to be honest, like even in even in regular conquest, like obviously in a hyper uh, sort of hyper whatever the, a meta in a tournament right which is very concentrated so hyper concentrated meta that you can accurately predict you can go look at people's twitters you can look at their streams very you can see different what they have yeah. an affinity for they're talking about it you're right like i mean shadow king is like this card that has basically gotten zero play um it comes in it's quite good against bounce and actually has some game against evo right it has like, let's just say it, it doesn't have game it has it has a use case which is you have surprising no, but like the issue like i i would be in on that deck right that deck looks great but Here's here's my here's my question. What if you just played Shadow King in a normal Sarah deck? Because right now the issue I have with normal Sarah is your bounce matchup is fucking terrible. Mm. Like your well, bounce matchup is just like they're just you but better. Your bounce matchup is yeah. just the worst possible shit. So like, were yes. you are you able to play Storm and Sh and Shadow King? Like, what? How do you how do you make oh. that matchup not bad? Because like, I'm actually pretty comfortable playing Sarah into every other matchup basically like I'm, I'm cool with that but like then you cue bounce and you're just like oh they do like 30 points in a lane and you do like 20 so sarah a deck that probably or at least traditional sarah probably a deck that gets priority and maintains it especially with kitty pride going back to hand yep um, and that's how you get the big blowout so you're not going to get the big blowout of shadow king i do think that shadow king taking an angela from seven 
or nine to zero is enough to to swing that matchup. I mean, that is a huge, a huge freaking card, right? You know, Shadow King coming down and being a three nine or a three twelve, which happens so often versus bounce, amazing. And then if you happen by some miracle to not have priority, it's like a three twenty, bro. It's it's ridiculous. So you're like, saying I should the, try it in, in normal Sarah. Yes, because, like, I think so. I'm more confident in normal Sarah into basically every other matchup than I am into yeah. your, in the Sarah Surfer. Mm. So the question is, I think the question is, if you want to test, you want to Shadow King, do you take Shadow King, do you take it to a Conquest? Like, do you queue up a Conquest? Or do you yeah. go queue up Ladder? I don't know. I think you should try it. But if, you, if you're like, hey, friend, hey, stream, who wants to play Bounce into my Sarah deck? I'm bringing Shadow King. You should probably destroy them. Like, it's, you really think it's a really that, good you card. You think it would be that... Like, you think just Shadow King would be enough to make the power differential between Sarah and, and this swing? So that's that's the answer to a question I didn't have time to, to figure out when I was testing this. Because I don't want to play the Sarah deck that has the Storm and the Jogger. Like, it has all this other Yeah, like, we're playing a bunch of bad shit. What if we just put it in a deck of good shit? Yes. What if we just play Shadow King yeah, what if and we just make Shadow King a three nine? Like yeah. that, that's our that, like that's our floor. Or like, let's say our floor is like a three six, uh, a three six to a three nine to a three twelve. Not a three twenty. We don't have to hit the nuts every time. We don't have to guess where the kitty goes and not have priority and all this other all this other BS. Like Shadow King as a three nine nuking Angela is that good enough? Maybe. I don't know. I mean that that that's where <laughs> I would start looking. I think because like. I'm looking for something that can actually break that paradigm. And right now, Sarah is one of those decks that has a good matchup or a plausible matchup into a couple of good decks and then absolutely loses to bounce. And it's just like, oh. So you know what sucks about you know what sucks about Sarah is the stuff that wrecks bounce, um, like the lockdown list. They also wreck Sarah. Like turn five wave against you can be really bad. Yeah. <laughs> like you know, you, you know what I'm interested can... in. It's, I'm less interested in Sarah, and I'm more interested in Zabu Darkhawk Black Bolt stuff, which I've always sort of considered just be Sarah, but better. Same concept, mm. just better stuff. And it's like if you if you is see... there a version of that that can put Shadow King in there? Is there a version of like? Because those decks are so close in so many spots against so many decks. Like those well, decks, it feels like you can always be in range of the, the the best decks and then they just never uh, get over the hump you know okay i actually think so so there is uh there's one zabu you may Dark have just Hawk, heard my alarm. deck my bad yeah i didn't hear it actually but there's one there's one of those decks in the entire tournament by the way and that's from howling mines scott mines and that is kitty bride korg zabu jeff polaris Darkhawk, shang chi enchantress spider-man rock slide stature black bolt Cam, I don't know about you, but that sounds like an easy Enchantress or Shang Chi cut to throw in a to throw in a Shadow you, King. You, You're telling like me Enchan- Shadow? You cut Enchantress, you play you play Shadow King, and then you just like the issue. Then is like like do we have Killmonger in there? Because you want Killmonger in there for the lockdown decks. You want Shadow King in there for the bounce decks. You want Shang Chi in there for the lockjaw decks. And so like I think those are all sort of non negotiable. But if you can get a deck that has all three of them in there and they work as well as you want them to, I'm a little interested. Mm. Yeah, I think that Shadow King, you know, even Shadow King into Evo, right? Shadow King into Evo, let's say that they they only have um, the Wasps. It's going to pretty often, it'll be a 3-5. That's good. That's a good floor. And you're telling me if they have Cyclops, it's a freaking 3-7 or a 3-9 again? Like, it's nuts. Um, It just... The card actually has use case in this meta, which uh, I think a lot of people didn't look at that card. And any bounce player that has played against a Shadow King will tell you, like, holy shit, that that card is terrible to play against. It, it feels <laughs> similar to getting locked out of a lane. You're like, wow. Um, especially if you don't have priority. If you don't have priority, if you don't have priority, situation- you die. But like any yes. any half decent bounce player is going to be. The issue is like, here's the thing. What I'm wondering if Shadow King can do is pin you between Wave and Shadow King. Like, if you're mm. playing a Darkhawk deck with Wave in it, and, like, you're snapping, are they forced to deploy on five and then just die to Shadow King? That's what I'm wondering about. Like, if you're well, if you're able I, to do... Like, this is... So, this is my, all, every Darkhawk deck I build has, like, 12 deck slot syndrome, where, like, I can't get all the cards I want in there at the same time. But, like, it just feels like there has to be a way to do it. <laughs> there has to be something. <laughs> So my Sarah deck had Wave and Shadow King. And even if Wave wasn't played very often, the fact that they have to point slam on turn five and get priority and play the Hit Monkey, you know where the Hit Monkey is, they have priority, yes. etc. 
Money. Yes, like <laughs> Money. it's the threat of the wave that forces them to do stuff. It's it's an interesting, interesting dynamic. All right, I know that you wanted this to only be 45 minutes. It ended up being significantly longer than 45 minutes. Uh, so I, I'm going to go back to uh, Radio Voice KM here. And uh, well, th- thank you all for listening to the Snapshot Podcast. This has been am best with marvel snap phenom brendan apg of course we are audio only this week thank you for making it through i really appreciate it as always we'd really appreciate it if you'd leave a review at ratethispodcast.com we love hearing those reviews do we have a review to read out this week brendan or are you since you're overseas we have no reviews <laughs> no review because i'm overseas sorry we have no I'm reviews like, no to... reviews brendan is overseas he's not really able to handle me doing this voice he's not used to the kmsmr giving him tingles all the way down his spine he's really really enjoying it all right thank you so much everybody brendan do you have any final thoughts no, that's it thank you all so much you got, you got, no, he has no final thoughts he has nothing left to say he, he's been he's been laughing the entire time i'm doing this voice i don't really get why it's funny but if i'm getting a good reaction i'm gonna keep doing it i, I don't know Bro, did you make up ks 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 KMSMR on the no, on the fly or is that like something you've said before? I've done I've done KMSMR on stream before, okay. which by the way reminds me I should plug my stream. Uh, I will I have no schedule anymore. I just go live at six p.m. some days. <laughs> that's that's what's happening. I go live at six p.m. when I feel like playing Marvel Snap, which is most days of the week. So Man, six p.m. Eastern, the- you'll I'm probably there. The evolution of a streamer is like, okay, I'm this time exactly every day. And like, oh, I missed a day. I'm so sorry. And then it just becomes, I'll be on. Yeah, yep, 6 p.m. I'll be on. Maybe. <laughs> be, I'll be on playing Marvel Snap. I've, the, the time has never changed. It's always 6 p.m. That is what it is. It's just straight up 6 p.m. Eastern. That is when I am playing Marvel Snap. But like some days you're just like, oh, I don't have it in me to go for four hours. So I'm going to go like eat chicken fingers instead. That's 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 how it goes sometimes. Awesome. Thank you all so much again. We'll see you next week. Later. Later.